0: You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, gals, welcome back to The Devoted Podcast. I'm so glad you guys are here, and I'm really excited for today because we are going to be joined again by Pastor Nate DeCroost. He was on a, the episode, I don't know, well, I'm going to mess up the number, so I'm not even going to tell you, but he did DIY Jesus with us. And we looked at that episode. We actually also did a replay of that this summer. So it might be fresh in some of you guys' mind. But if it's not, I would recommend going back and listening to that because this is, I think, a little bit going to be a continuation of that conversation a little bit. But I want to specifically look at today the ways that we keep seeing Jesus getting watered down in some ways, and there is a diminishing of Jesus. So before I get too carried away and too excited, Nate, thank you for joining us.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: So glad to have you on. In case people are new and they have not listened to the other episode, tell us who you are, what you do here at Athe.
1: Yeah. If you haven't listened to the other episode, you have your homework to do now. (laughs) But uh, I oversee the birth through grade school kiddos, oversee the junior high through young adults. So kind of the... As some churches call the next gen, the youth and kids, and young adults. Nate
0: wears a lot of hats here. He's had all of my
1: kids,
0: (laughs) either teaching them and then teaching them how to serve in classrooms and all of that kind of stuff.
1: Your kids are—they're pretty awesome. I, 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 uh,
0: (laughs) you gotta keep an eye on those those
1: McReynolds boys. No, just kidding. No, they're great. Yeah, they're great.
0: So, so Nate, when I asked you to come on, it's because I—I've been stirring over the things that we kind of see all over in culture. You can see it in worship music. You can see it sometimes even from pulpits and churches. You see internet campaigns where there is this, kind of this idea to put Jesus out there and make him just like you and me Mm -hmm. and make him relatable and personable. And I'm sure there are some good qualities that they're trying to make sure that people know that Jesus understands where we're at. And those are good things. But there's a lot of waters that have been muddied, I think, in the pursuit of this.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And a lot of what's attacked, we've talked about off the air, was and is the deity of Jesus, right? Where Jesus' divine nature, who he is, he is God, right? That is often what's attacked. And I don't think they are doing a full frontal attack necessarily. Like they're not, you know, like an Aryan... An Arian heresy, where they're saying, you know, he's not God, and they're making a campaign of that. Right. What they're doing is what you just said. They're watering it down, mm-hmm. and they are, they are putting themselves in the creative position to dictate what that means. Yep. They get to determine who Jesus is. Yeah. And they'll select certain passages of scripture or certain concepts in scripture. Not even necessarily passages. Yep. They'll take concepts of scripture and then they will. Absolutize those contexts. They'll absolutize those situations, right? They'll also put in a modern yeah. lens. You
0: know, just to give you an example for you guys listening of what we're talking about here, just to put, you know, some real practical verbiage to this, but they'll say things that will talk about how Jesus experienced frustration and sorrow. And the things that he went through, just like us, and, and in saying, "You know, just ha- as you have experienced depression, so Jesus has experienced depression, all of these things. so those are things that are actually out there. those
1: are things, and those <laughs> those things, when you say that, the first thing that jumps into my mind is you are ignoring one very clear difference between Jesus and us, mm-hmm. and that is we are sinners, yeah, and that we have a sinful nature and when you say that Jesus experienced depression just like you, and this is a statement just broadcasted for all of the interweb to see and read, mm-hmm. the problem with that is your depression could be entirely based off sin and idolatry in your life. I'm not saying that all depression is that way, obviously.
0: Right, but there's a lot of different factors that could be involved to make a blanket statement that.
1: Exactly, yeah. And so, if we're being totally honest and going down to brass tacks, humans are sad. Sadness isn't in and of itself a sin. But we also need to be really careful when we say Jesus was sad, we're sad, therefore our sadness is the same. That's this doesn't stand logically, right? Because Jesus is approaching all of his emotions sinless. Jesus is the perfect man. And so, we have to understand that. So, we, we like to push all of our sins onto, mm-hmm. you know, the same emotions Jesus had, yep. you know, and or ignore our sins, probably more so. We ignore the fact that, you know, our sin is what's causing a lot of our problems, a lot of our disparities, a lot of our issues. Not always. Bad things happen. We get that. But it just doesn't logically stand to say that him, we're the same right. because he experienced emotions, therefore we experience emotions. I think it's important to know that he experienced humanity. And he knows that what it's like to feel loss and, and sadness. We don't need to cheapen that by saying we're the same.
0: Right. And I wanna just read Hebrews four fifteen, because that's basically the passage where I think they take mm-hmm. a lot of this and then maybe go a little bit further than it should be taken. But in Hebrews four fifteen it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So that's the passage that I think is typically taken to say that he can sympathize with us because he understands our weaknesses.
1: Yeah. And a lot of that is we just have to really take a deep dive in what what is sin? Mm-hmm. You know, to understand really the human depravity, we we have to understand just how deep and entrenched we are in sin. Mm. How much of our thinking is influenced by our sin Mm -hmm. and our fleshly desires? And, you know, I I was reading this actually last night with my kiddos, Hebrews 11, now that we're in Hebrews. I think Hebrews, by the way, is a great resource for this. And not the only resource. I think Colossians is also a really good resource as well. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of the New Testament, what the early church was dealing with was, these Gnostic heresies, and I'm not necessarily saying that everyone who's ascribing this is Gnostic, but they are diminishing the humanity of Jesus. But they're dimin- they're still it's they went the other direction. Mm-hmm. They diminish the physicality mm-hmm. of Jesus, but they're still diminishing Jesus, right? right? And they're still watering it down. But what I w- went through in Hebrews 11 was this idea of faith. And what we often don't recognize with Hebrews 11 is that it's tied directly to Hebrews 10. And that is talking about how Jesus is our high priest, how he is our great high priest and how he is. And that's really what a lot of Hebrews is about, how he's the fulfillment of the sacrifice. And verse 39 says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And then the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And then skipping ahead, he starts listing men and women who were champions of this idea of faith and this idea of by faith. And he starts the sentence by this, by faith. And this idea is the opposite of natural inclinations, right? Mm -hmm. We have to really understand what faith is. The assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. He's referencing men and women who were looking forward to the coming Christ, looking forward to God taking on human flesh and dying for their sins, right? They were trusting in Yahweh. They were trusting in God for the forgiveness of of their sins. Abel, it says in verse 4, looked ahead. He offered God a more acceptable sacrifice. He was looking for Yahweh, God, to save him. He was, you know he didn't know all that we know right he didn't know the Levitical law we don't know I mean there's really not a lot of print on Abel but we know that God in his grace and mercy granted Abel forgiveness and righteousness through Abel's sacrifice to him and that was done by faith now what is the opposite of faith well one of the layers of the opposite it's that's that's a really hard thing to answer, but directly living according to the flesh is in a lot of ways the opposite of faith, where we are inclined to what we naturally desire, our natural appetites. That is in a lot of ways what the opposite of faith is, Mm -hmm. meaning that faith is is trusting what we can't see. Living for the flesh is trusting what we can physically see and touch. And you take that and you apply it to your definition of Jesus he's only flesh, right? And he, his flesh is the same as my flesh. His appetites are the same as my appetites. You're gonna get a really distorted Jesus.
0: Mm. I, I didn't consider backing up to that being the, the faith that people look for and what a foundation that is. Because if you start with that, mm-hmm. and all of those examples in Hebrews of the people that were looking forward to that savior that they actually didn't even know what that was going to look like. They didn't mm-hmm. know what that atonement was going to be. But it, if you start with a basis that is faulty and fleshly, mm-hmm. then it's not a fulfilled, it's not a so sweet promise that yeah. we even get at the end of it. So it's great to look back and just even see how, why this is important is because it's, it's really a foundation of how we frame what our faith looks like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and we, we get to look, you know, backwards. They were looking forwards. We're looking backwards. And we're still looking to God to solve the problem. That's the whole point. Abel was looking for God to solve his problem. He was trusting in God, not what Cain was doing, trusting in his flesh. Right. Enoch was looking to God, but we look to God too. And so God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him will not perish and have eternal life. And John, I believe, is one of the, you know, greatest paramounts in his writing of really breaking down the deity of Christ. Mm. You know, it starts in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and then, you know, goes a little ahead, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I don't want to get into the the idea of the Logos, Um, (laughs) that can be a, that's probably a whole nother podcast, but the idea is, yeah, yeah, (laughs) we should do that. But the whole idea is, he's God, enough to say he's God. Yeah. and on and on, John he writes in the, at the very end of his gospel, he says, These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Yeah. So the whole point is, and we're not really questioning and this, isn't necessarily apologetics to prove that Jesus is God, because they would those a lot of the the people that we're referring to would say that he is God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just what does that mean to you? Yeah. And it's really a bankrupt concept of in with how they're describing it because Mm -hmm. it's like so he is God and if he is God he has all the attributes of God right he's Mm -hmm. not partially God he's not half God he's fully God and so this is why having a full well-rounded view of the scriptures and knowledge of the scriptures is important yeah because if, if you don't know who God is as the Bible describes him yep You're gonna be really confused. And a pastor I I really like referenced this. You think that the Old Testament God is harsh, (laughs) read the read the New Testament, read the end Mm -hmm. of the book. Go to Revelation. God's not messing around. Right. And it's named Jesus. He's named Jesus. Jesus is not messing around. Right? He returns. It's Epic.
0: Yeah, Revelation nineteen thirteen yeah. says that his robe is dipped in blood, and that's where it actually calls him the Logos, the word. His name is the Word of God, yeah. and and I think that's a great point because, but that's not the picture that is being portrayed yeah. of Jesus in our modern cultural context. Yes. Even those words we talk about. Oh, but let's look at the cultural context for Jesus, and and almost like trying to make him fit within our Mold of mm-hmm. what we want him to be in 2022, mm-hmm. anytime that that is the framework, just in general, probably really, really off. And we in interject some of our cultural terms. So some mm-hmm. of the language that has been around this is to say that, you know, because Jesus was rejected and those kinds of things, they'll say, well, Jesus was canceled. Mm-hmm. So what is the danger then of? say somebody who is trying to talk to their neighbor about Jesus, talk to their friend that they're not Christians. Mm -hmm. And so what is the harm in, I'm playing a little devil's advocate here, but what's the harm then of trying to portray Jesus in these terms of, you know, Jesus was marginalized. Jesus was a refugee. Jesus was canceled, you know, taking Mm -hmm. our words and slapping them on Jesus a little bit. What's the harm in that?
1: Well, to answer that, you got to think of, coordinates on a ship, right? If we're going on a trip, you're on a ship with your your coordinates and you have, you know, your latitude and longitude.
0: Thank you for breaking this down because if I don't have the landmarks on where to turn right, it's not happening.
1: And you got your compass, you got to stay on point to end up in the right destination, right? To answer that, you have to start with the sales pitch idea, right? Are are we selling Jesus to somebody? Mm. Because at the end of the day, if I present to you a cleaned up in, you know, air quotes, cleaned up Jesus that will suit your needs, I am creating Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. Go see DIY Jesus. Yeah, you cannot
1: <laughs> yeah. create Jesus. And when we are creating Jesus, that is idolatrous. Mm-hmm. We are creating an idol. And often... Like, in the Old Testament idols of old, it's it's really no different. They would fashion an idol in their own likeness in what they wanted it to be, right? This is a great apologetic tool that I think is gives credence to the Bible and gives credence to God in the Christian faith, and that is, this is not something that we would just make up, right, right? Because if we as Christians could just say, "You know what, sin's cool." You know, God loves you just where you are, right? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't we want that? That'd make our lives a whole lot easier. Wrath and judgment, not a thing. But the problem is it's in clear print of the word of God. It's clearly there, your sins. And if you read the Bible, start to cover about sin, it is the pervasive plague that is just killing humanity. And it's driving everyone away from God. It's not something that can be easily ignored. In fact, you have to get actually creative to ignore it. And so, in comes Jesus, who now is, is telling everyone, you know, repent. Jesus says to people to repent, and Jesus lays down his life for the forgiveness of our sins, not to affirm our sins. Yeah. And if we're going on a location, we can't just go any way we want to go to get there, right? If we're doing a road trip. You know we're here in in Westland, Oregon. If we want to say, hey, we're gonna make our way down to Disneyland, and then you know we turn east on 84, and you know heading towards Boise, you can course correct, <laughs> but you can't continue on there because you're gonna be in the middle of America if you don't stop, right? And just to say, well, oh, it's this whole the whole idiom, all roads lead to God. That's just not true, because God is who He is, and God is who He says He is, and Jesus is not some things and is other things we have to understand that we don't get to create God. And I think to the person, what's the harm? I would say, if I'm advertising, if I'm presenting, first off, I am ignoring the third member of the Godhead, the Trinity, and that's the Holy Spirit who is wooing and drawing people into himself. But I'm also, I'm putting matters in my own hands. I'm living according to the flesh. I'm being pragmatic and saying, I have to clean God up so you'll like him. Eventually, that doesn't work. Right. Eventually, you're going to find out, oh, God isn't happy with my sin. That is a sin that I have branded as my lifestyle that is actually separating me from God.
0: So let's talk about that just a second. You've brought that up a couple of times, and I think that's a really good point about just that we are not as aware of our sin mm-hmm. that we should be. Yeah. I mean if we truly got how desperately wicked we are, we would be clinging to anything that would get us out of that mire of what we're in. Yeah. But I don't think we 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 believe we're pretty good, you yeah. know? It, the temptation is to think that I you know I, I didn't kill anybody today. I didn't do anything that was really that bad. It's not true. It's against what scripture says. Whether we want to accept that or not, it is a reality.
1: Yeah. And a lot of that stems, in my opinion, from a very, very low view of God. Mm. And our culture has done its best to diminish God and to relocate him out to be, you know, archaic. You know, Nietzsche's famous words, God is dead. Mm-hmm. That mindset has really pervaded culture. In our thoughts, we, we're not high-minded. We don't view God highly, and so rather than comparing ourselves to God, we compare ourselves to each other. Because no one would argue that there is evil in the world. It's just those other people. Right. right. It's just those people who do and act egregiously. But not us. But not us. We set the standard for ourselves, and we don't look to God for that standard. You know. So if you and I are comparing notes about our own sin, we're going to both be, you know, pretty, pretty dang good. Pretty, it's fine. Pretty good. I don't know if we're allowed to say dang in the podcast. Sorry. (laughs) We're we're pretty good. (laughs) But if we are comparing ourselves to God, right. We're, we're wretched. Right. And that's, that's Isaiah in Isaiah six, where he, he sees the Lord on the throne and he's not puffing his chest out going, what's up? What's up, God? He's, on the ground, mm-hmm. face downward, saying, Woe is me, I am undone, I am a man of unclean lips. Yeah, his words are, are what is causing him the problem. And do we think that Isaiah had a sailor's potty mouth? Right, probably not. Right, <laughs> he, he, but he knew when he saw the Lord that even my prophet tongue is saying the oracles of God. Is, is wicked is wicked yeah. yeah
0: so that's such a great reminder for us because we compare all the time we compare everything mm-hmm. you know we're we're trained to do that we yeah. compare products we use we cars we drive we just are people of comparison yeah but that is exactly if you're comparing yourself to god you got to check what your standard is
1: yeah and there's a danger on the other side to just walk around with a cudgel And be a legalist and just beat Mm -hmm. everyone up. Right, Both are errors, right? And I think what we tend to do is we go, oh, there's errors on either side of the road. Mm -hmm. I guess we we must pick one of the two errors that suits us the best, Mm -hmm. right? On that side, it's a steep cliff. On that side, it's just a, a ditch. So we'll just drive in the ditch. Whereas we need to stay on the road. And what guides us on the road is the Word of God, Mm -hmm. is a Spirit-led understanding of who God is. And we have to read our Bibles. We have to understand completely. We have to properly exegete text and not just say what we want it to say. We have to understand what it means in the context. And we have to go down that road well. Otherwise, we are going to be lost and we're going to fall into a ditch. The ditches are there know that. Mm-hmm. But we need to not just shrug our shoulders and say, I guess we'll just be in this ditch and call it the road. Yeah. It's no, we need to be on the road. Things go smoother. Now, the road's narrow. It's yep. harder to be on the road. And that's why we need our guide to keep us there tight. Yep.
0: Yeah. I think, and I, and I just have to just call it, I think that when we see these billboards or internet campaigns that have this language out there to make Jesus Somehow palatable or somehow sell him. I do think it's a ditch, mm-hmm. and I think that we need to warn Christians to be aware of the ditch. I think we need to warn non-Christians even to not fall for that Jesus, because, like you're saying, that is not the complete Jesus. No, that yeah. is one of our one of our own making, and it's just showing little pieces of it. So it's a little bit of a slippery slope on this too, because they start by using a passage like hebrews and saying you know he he can sympathize with us because he was fully human he was fully man fully god so because he did those things they'll start with he experienced sorrow and all those things but then they, that language gets where it's not catchy enough mm-hmm. anymore. And so then we got to make Jesus a little bit more. And so I want to read to you this, this quote because I saw this one and they it had Jesus. And then it actually gave a hashtag to him that said Jesus and then hashtag activist. And the quote that it gave under this byline was that he didn't retaliate because he thought he could change the world by turning the other cheek.
1: He thought he could change the world he by turning the other cheek. He didn't retaliate
0: because he thought he could change the world by turning the other cheek. So right off the bat, I mean, I cannot wait to see what you have to <laughs> say for this, Nate. But when I hear that, I let's just talk about, well, did Jesus come to change the world?
1: Jesus came to seek and save the lost. The lost, lost right. Yes, and
0: as we just previously talked about, it, it, it has nothing to do with our sin there in yeah. that statement.
1: Changing the world is is really ambiguous, and it is that sugar on your taste buds mm-hmm. right it's it's the language we just eat up because it's ambiguous enough, but it's good enough in the sense of like yeah no one's yeah we should change the world, yeah, change yeah. the world, and this is something that you know has been you know, this is a poison that's been put into the water you know for a long time now, and that's just that we you have to change the world you Let's pump the brakes. Jesus thought he could change he could change the world. Jesus thought he could change the world by turning the other cheek. The problem is Jesus knew all things. Yeah. Jesus yeah. knew all things. Right? He's God. He's omniscient. Yes. He's God. He he knew what his mission was, right? And what's funny is, you know, Jesus it is funny how things are cleverly selected and not selected. You know, Jesus warned everyone not to not to tell people he was the Christ, because He was on a mission and, you know, Jesus had three years of earthly ministry and then ended. Don't let that escape you. That's really important to know that Jesus was alive on this planet. He's alive now. He was alive on this planet for 33 years. Three of those years were spent in ministry. That was not by accident. You have to know that God is very purposeful in his design and his planning that was not an accident. We see a lot of young, very young and inexperienced people, you know, at 2018, 20, 19, 21, starting out on their ministry and wanting to change the world. Jesus, he waited. And we might even look at him and say, Jesus, what are you doing? If you are the Messiah, you need to start, you know,
0: start earlier. you're 25 years on?
1: old, 26 years old. Jesus, what are you doing? Why, why are you making this carpentry, you know, career here? Go do things. And it was very intentional. I think that's something we have to to look at. This is this is obviously, dare I say, extra biblical, but it's something that we we can deduce. And that Jesus had three years mm-hmm. and then died, rose again, and ascended into heaven, right? He didn't stick around for another 10 years. He left it with his church. He left it with the apostles. And I do think that's interesting how Jesus was telling his disciples, it's better for me to leave because I'm going to leave you with the Holy Spirit who's going to guide you to all truth.
0: What you're yeah. saying there is that they're pulling out there, the fact that he was said that he, well, they're saying that he wanted to change the world. I even have issue yeah. with that
1: yeah, verbiage
0: I, really. But exactly if that was the thing you're saying, you know, three years is what we're talking about. Well, what about the 30 prior years if that was his mission Jesus and Jesus wasn't
1: looking to get famous. Right. Jesus, right. and this is something that I think the church needs to know God desires us to be faithful, not famous. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was faithfully following the calling of God, of the Father that was set before him. And that's what we need to do as well. And what you see a lot of times is these hashtags, they're using Jesus to get somewhere rather than following Jesus. They're ahead of Jesus. They're not following Jesus. That's a huge distinction.
0: And it plays into then some of the modern things we've seen with the social justice movement mm-hmm. and making a social justice Jesus. Mm-hmm. But the question, too, there, just even with that, there's things that you can go, Jesus didn't come and abolish poverty.
1: Yeah. The poor, well, you'll have with you always, he yeah. said, yeah. he told us. And there's provisions for how we care for the poor. Yep. But that's a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, poverty is a thing. Christians are to be the most generous people. Christians are to be the most gracious people and the most just people. But we need to be clear that we can't use words that are void of their meaning, Mm -hmm. right? When we say justice, I was just reflecting on this the other day. Justice, if we were to take that word now and drag it 200 years ago, we'd be really confused. (laughs) That's a word that is used as a cudgel to get whatever you want. And then we ascribe that to Jesus when he uses words, you know, before.
0: Define your terms and that isn't it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so we really need to be careful with how we use terms and we use it in language that a first century person wouldn't have a clue what you mean, Mm -hmm. right? Justice by our definitions nowadays is completely foreign to what justice meant then and oppression even. We like to victimize ourselves. We like to play the victim. And the reality is, like we said just a few minutes ago, we are excusing our own sins. We're pardoning our own sins mm-hmm. and we're we're looking to justify that with a Jesus of our own invention. Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> there's actual oppression and there's actual needs for justice. But we have to be very careful with how we define those terms. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's that whole, you know, the funny thing from The Incredibles, when everyone's special, no one is. Mm-hmm. When everything is unjust, <laughs> Well, I'm not necessarily going to go to that logical conclusion, but it does water it so much that it confuses what you're actually trying to say. And it's manipulative. And often you're seeing a lot of these people, they're getting something out of this, right? This is something that they are getting, whether it's monetary value, whether it's prominence, whether it's something, a lot of this is to get something out of it. Not always. And I think there are some poor people that are just following this idea, but they're being led astray mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times you look at the talking heads, the source and just like any other idolatry, they are benefiting from it so they are they are growing their own, little empire and it's yeah. a little, little religion, little cult and it's wrong.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's something to be careful of too. You know, when you see things and what's their motivation behind mm-hmm. it, I think that's definitely something that's worth exploring, but you also use the word that uh, there's just manipulation there. Maybe it's manipulation for monetary gain, but I also just wonder sometimes just the phrase itself, I'm just going to, it just sounds deceitful mm-hmm. and it feels like, the slithering enemy, to be real. Because when it says he didn't retaliate because he thought he could change the world by turning the other cheek, you're using some words that are true. Yeah. Did Jesus tell us to turn the other cheek? Yeah. Yes, he did. Do we draw the correlation in scripture that it was the turning of the other cheek...
1: That saved the that world. That saved the world? Yeah. No. No, that doesn't stand.
0: And it's a tactic of the enemy that we see in Matthew 4, even with the temptation of oh, Jesus, yeah. where, G- where Satan knows scripture. And he quotes just a little bit of it to make it sound like, ooh, tickle your ears a little bit, tell you like, oh, no, this is true. This is going down the right path. It's not.
1: Satan's had thousands of years to study scripture. Yes. (laughs) He's pretty good at it. More
0: than any of us. Yes.
1: He knows his stuff.
0: Yes. I see phrases like this. and. Gals, this is one example of probably hundreds that you guys could email me and send me of things that you've heard. One of the purposes I have, and maybe this is my only purpose, is to get us to be very discerning Mm -hmm. about the things that we hear, see, watch, that we're exposed to, the music we listen to. I mean, I'm, I'm asking everybody to really turn their radar up on this stuff because just because you hear a little snippet of a scripture or a phrase that you've heard Mm -hmm. quoted in the Bible, you need to look at that contextually and say, what is it they're saying? And then as it relates to this conversation, they're taking those things and saying, this is a reflection of who Jesus is. And it's not a holistic
1: look at who Jesus is at all. Well, and, and you look back, even the disciples, all but John died martyrs' deaths defending the deity of jesus that ripples out into church history you know polycarp all of these men who were the church fathers early they laid down their lives not all of them but a lot of them did defending hashtag you know whatever no it's they it was defending the deity of jesus he's god he has come to save us from our sins and he is Bigger and better than you, Rome. He's bigger and better than your gods. And Jesus is the answer. And they were so convinced of that that they're willing to lay down our li- their lives for that. What's interesting is, and these are men, Polycarp you know, was a disciple of John, who was a disciple of Jesus. So we're not far removed from that. Mm-hmm. You fast forward 2,000 years, and all of a sudden, we now figured out who Jesus is. Right. We now know. From what? From your advanced reading? No, from what I want to believe, right? This idea that we've we discovered the real Jesus, where men who knew Jesus, John physically knew Jesus. He, you know, he sat next to him at Passover, right? Jesus was his best friend. He was his master. He, he followed Jesus physically. He was willing to lay down his life for Jesus, but he defines who Jesus is. Right. I would take that way more seriously than some person who was eating waffles one morning decided, you know what? I know Jesus is like, there's a U.S. in Jesus. Yeah. Bold in that. Yep. Us. Yeah. He's, it's, no, that's nonsense. Come on. We're so removed from discovering who he was outside of scripture. Men, and women have lived godly lives, passing this amazing heritage to us, giving us the word of God, and we just throw it out yeah. for what we want to believe.
0: Well, and I think the only way for us to really heighten our discernment for us to really be aware and seeing these things is we have to be just like what you're saying. We have to be in the word, mm-hmm. but it's so much easier. We have become just kind of lazy and we'd rather watch YouTube's. I'm not dissing on technology yeah. and new ways to, you know, new ways, but not new truth. Yeah. The truth has to be the same that it actually is. So you can do it in a new way, but we kind of like our sound bites. We like, you know,
1: Instagram reels are a lot easier than doing some actual business in the Word of God. That's so true. I mean, it's just like eating sugary candy bars is a lot easier than eating sound, nutriently dense meals. Right. It, it's just it's just our human fleshly nature. We want and crave those quick dopamine hits. I like the way that person Said that on that stage and they were really passionate. If they're that passionate, it must be true. So I'm gonna believe that. And and by the way, I kind of want to believe that. It, right. it makes me feel better about myself and my situation. And so they must be true. And in a lot of it, it's not it's cogent. It makes sense in its own little paradigm, but it's not truth. Right. right? It's not real. And it's it is not good. And there's elements of truth in a lot of those things, mm-hmm. but they are not sustainable. And so if you're Diet is entirely cotton candy or entirely Hershey's chocolate bars, you will eventually perish from malnutrients, but it'll take a while. Right. Versus actually eating and drinking from the Word of God, which is equipped to uh, sustain your souls. So
0: when you talk about getting your theology, getting your Bible study from an Instagram reel. Mm-hmm you're right. It's it's going to make it so you're going to have just a snippet enough of a truth to probably be really dangerous, mm-hmm. you know? And that's when it's going to leave you just wide open to this oh, stuff. Yeah. And, you know, with us, our audience here, this is women listening to this and they're on Instagram, they're mm-hmm. on Facebook, they see YouTubes and they, you know, they see the things that their kids are watching and they feel maybe a little short on time. And so they feel like, well, you know what, at least I can get a little piece, but I love what you've just kind of drawn our attention to on that, because I think if anything, we probably, even if we just cut out that you thought you spent five minutes on Instagram, <laughs> spoiler, you probably spent about an hour. Yeah. If we took that time, and again, please don't hear this with like a guilt trip, like, you know, this is what you should be doing yeah, kind of thing. But think about this, like really take an honest assessment of the time that you spend getting your snippets of theology and really the cheap exchange that is For the real stuff. Mm -hmm. Because as long as we continue to not seek the source, not go back to John, and the people that actually knew Jesus, who said that Jesus is God, then we are going to be poorer for that. And Mm -hmm. we're going to fall for this stuff.
1: Yeah. And it's remarkable. I mean, you look at a lot of the prominent cults that are grafted from Christian doctrine, you know, a lot of that is the splitting of one or two words, the misinterpretation of one or two Greek words will get you in the wrong place. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the word was a God. You right,
0: know, one word, One Whoops. word,
1: all of a sudden you are on a different trajectory. You are headed to the East Coast, not to Disneyland. Right. We have to be very careful. And so it is important. And when we just are buying into the passion and the hype, Mm -hmm. and this person's sincere, well, they can be sincerely wrong and not meaning to. And I think it's important to distinguish not all people are wolves. Some of them are genuinely misled people themselves, misled sheep, thinking they're going the right direction. Mm -hmm. But it's also important to know that there are wolves who are seeking to devour sheep, right? They're mimicking the great lion roaming around seeking who he may devour. They're wolves. And I think it's important to know which one's which. And I'm not going to actually name names because I, I do think it is something that we need to be very careful and cautious of doing that. Mm-hmm. If someone's saying something wrong, we don't immediately fire shots in the air. and mm-hmm. But we just need to be internally and quietly protective of our hearts, protective of our kids' hearts, protective of our family's hearts, and pouring in the good and sound doctrine that is from the untainted word of God. (laughs) We don't want to put our spin on it. We want to read it for what it says and read Jesus and know Jesus for who he is. And so if you're only taking one context out, if you're only taking, let's just even say the Sermon on the Mount, if you're only taking one component of what Jesus said, you're missing a lot. Jesus spoke in a context and Jesus wasn't denouncing the Old Testament. He wasn't denouncing this. They all work together. Mm-hmm. And we have to take the, the full counsel of God's word. Yeah. Otherwise, we will be lost. We will be confused.
0: You know, as you guys listen to this, I hope that we can end it with you being encouraged by the fact that these little snippets of what we hear of how Jesus is being portrayed, it's less than It's a cheap, watered down version of who Jesus really is. We find out who Jesus truly is in all of his facets through scripture. Mm -hmm. And so don't get it from, you know, a soundbite or a reel or a YouTube video. Really go to the source to see who he is because you will be so above Mm -hmm. and beyond blessed by who he really is.
1: Yeah. We need to have... A high view of God. We need to be big God people. Yeah. Where He is who He says He is. And we're not trying to change that. We are worshiping Him in His glory and His majesty. We're like Isaiah, or we're not trying to clean up what we think is His problem. We are looking to clean up or looking for Him to clean us up. Yeah. And then live in that light.
0: Yeah. I love that. All right. Thank you so much, Nate. It oh. probably won't be the last time, but thank you <laughs> so much for doing this. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Linn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com.